Hey, welcome and welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. It is always exciting to be here. I'm always excited. I need to find another word, but I don't have one. And today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. She's a a friend, a colleague, a partner in crime in the most appropriate of ways, just to be clear. And her name is Lynn Borton. And I'm going to have Lynn introduce herself because people know I don't do bios. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome, Lynn. Well, thank you, Karis. I mean, I would say first and foremost, I'm a Karis Myrick fan um, and have been since we first met a long time ago through mutual involvement with NAMI at the time. And at that time, I was in a kind of leadership administrative role and and um, and I've moved on from that. And now I produce um, and host a radio show all about curiosity. And I feel like it's got its roots back in some of the conversations that we used to have about sort of how do you show up in a way that is potentially transformative? And what's fun about what I do is I have these conversations about the power of curiosity for not only personal kind of transformation, but potentially systemic transformation. So that's what I do. Love it. And you always spark my curiosity and <laughs> had me ask deeper questions. Um, you said you can you can name the name of your radio show. Lynn. I mean, <laughs> let's please, you know, oh, don't, don't be you, shy. All right. So it's choose to be curious. And I actually, you know, when I proposed the show, I didn't have I just had a working title of Curiosity Radio. And I kept thinking about, well, why am I doing this? What is it that I want? And I realized I kept coming back that, you know, people make choices about how they show up in life. And, it, you know, given the opportunity, I wanted them to choose to be curious. And I thought, well, there's there's my title. There's the, really the heart of these conversations is that we don't always have the choice. And we can talk about some of the reasons that some of us have more choices than others in this regard. But But given the opportunity, choosing to be curious opens doors in ways that a lot of other things don't. So that's that's what it's called, choose to be curious. Wow. And I really love the title. And I hadn't really thought about there might not be opportunity to have that choice. I mean, you know, I think we've been talking a lot about my work in in mental health, which, you know, continues to this day. And, you know, the more I worked, especially kind of in in the government realm, whether that be at the federal government level or Mm -hmm. county or state government level, that I started to see why it was hard for people to dig deeper or only dig as deep as they could because there was some other barrier that said, no, you can't do that. And if you do it that way, we're not going to pay you. Or if you do it that way, we're going to sanction you. If you do it that way, you're going to lose your license. So I think it actually inhibited people's ability to ask questions beyond a certain point. And I mean, is that what you mean by? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Nabokov has a line about curiosity is the highest form of insubordination because you're, you know, you're questioning authority, right? Or it feels that way. Maybe you're just trying for clarity, but but people in positions of power often experience other people's curiosity as a challenge or a threat or disrespect. And so curiosity can be policed. It can be regulated and managed and people can be punished for having questions or asking questions, you know, of the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong way. And 
I mean, one really chilling example I came across early on as I was kind of making myself a student of curiosity was that there's really terrible research that shows that um, for African-American kids in school, their curiosity is viewed as disruptive, whereas white kids' mm. curiosity is viewed as, you know, kind of in- being intellectually engaged. Well, that's a problem, right? Ouch. Right. All of a sudden, like pieces are being put together in a puzzle for me, and we have not had this conversation. <laughs> you know, I, I I struggled in a job once and I was told, and you know, I had to get an executive coach who probably didn't have this nuance either that um, I was told because I asked questions that that was intimidating. Yeah. Um, and and I was like, wow, I'm asking questions because I'm curious and I want to be supportive and be able to respond and either support people or support the issue, whatever, in the right way. Like I want to solve the right problem, in other words. Right. 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 And so that questioning though was kind of like, well, wait, you know, she's really after trying to get us, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like right. you're trying to stick it to us. And it's like, no, actually um, I'm trying to support you because there could be something else going on that maybe you didn't even think about, you know? I've been thinking a lot about that particular issue because I think my go-to question these days is what am I missing? Like, what am I not seeing that's going on? So then the question is, well, what am I missing? What's the underlying dynamic here that is in the context of curiosity, that's coloring how the questions are being formulated, how they're being received, if they're being answered. Those are all things that have to be unpacked and appreciated in a much more profound way than I think people really understand. Mm. I harvest the strategies that people use to bring curiosity into their lives, to make curiosity safer, more comfortable, more integrated in what we do. And, you know, one of the things I have always loved and appreciated about you is how thoughtful you are about what you can do to make those dynamics more comfortable. But it's not just on one side of the equation, right? Mm -hmm. We all have to do some work um, to get to the sometimes uncomfortable places that curiosity takes us. It's not all on one person or another which is why I just want to have these conversations that encourage people to be a little more comfortable with curiosity moment to moment, day to day. Yeah. Yes. It was so interesting. I was, um, I, I saw a, it was like either a picture or a poster and it said, take the risk out of innovation. Mm. I think there's something risky, like we're talking mm-hmm. about, about being creative, being curious, being innovative. You know, somebody once said, oh, they were giving feedback on a panel that I was on. And they said, well, you know, and for the provocateur, and I'm like, oh, who's that? And they were talking about me. (laughs) And I was like, I hope they're saying that in the most positive of ways. (laughs) But I realized, wow, you know, um, I I put on my personal cards, you know, when people just want to know my contact information, I put that I'm a provocateur innovationalist, that that's sort of, if I had to give a title to myself, that might be the title I would give myself. If if you gave yourself a title, what, what would it be? You know, so here's the thing. I was thinking about this before we sat down for this, um, because I was thinking about a conversation I had with Judd Brewer, who does a lot of work on mindfulness and using curiosity to break bad habits and using it as a tool 
um, in a context of addiction. And I asked him a question about sort of people thinking of themselves as curious and in his very gentle way, sort of pushed back. He said, you know, that's sort of dangerous because once you decide that you're curious, you've closed the door on things, which is sort of one of the paradoxes that I, I can't run into paradoxes all the time with these conversations. But I mean, I aspire to be sort of a curiosity coach, but I think at best I'm a curiosity student. Mm-hmm. And I'm better at what I do when I remember that. Wow. And that maybe wow. goes to the intellectual humility, which was where you and I kind of thought about, oh, this is the conversation to have, right? That that even as we gain experience, mileage in an area, that the real challenge then becomes to try to hold this space for intellectual humility so that we don't get invested in what's the title we would give ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting that um, I was reading about intellectual humility. I'd never heard of that term before. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, that. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, <laughs> snaps, claps, thumbs up, the whole nine yards of it all. When I think about kind of how, you know, to to enter into exercising that curiosity muscle, yeah. how do we think about the blind spots, the things that it's kind of like, you don't know if you don't know. Right. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I think, I think going to the, like, what am I missing? Like, let's just assume that I am missing things. Let's just assume that I don't know what I don't know. And so kind of bringing a centering that and sort of thinking about like, okay, well, what is going on that I'm not aware is going on? Or Susan Engel does research She's at Williams College, and she does research on curiosity and education and learning. And I asked her, you know, if she had like curiosity practices. And and her response was, I asked myself, what if I'm wrong? Mm. And I think that's actually pretty powerful in the blind spotting, because when we feel absolutely certain about something, chances are pretty good that we're missing something, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the more certain (laughs) and resistant I feel about something, the more I know that I need to poke at it. What I hope we do in our lives of just kind of creating space where we can say, help me find my blind spots. I know I've got blind spots. I just don't know where they are. Mm -hmm. Can you help me spot something so that it's a favor as opposed to calling somebody out? You know, they I can't think of the woman's name who does this wonderful talk about calling people in instead of calling people out. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, a sort of mutual invitation to help me find my blind spots is pretty powerful, right? Because if we can form a partnership around that, as opposed to, you know, a bumping heads around it, that's an opportunity. Okay. Now I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go here. <laughs> you know, this is my elephant, right? That I say everybody's touching a piece of the elephant, but it's yep. only a piece. And then we yep. have to walk over and see the other person's piece, maybe touch it, talk about it, understand it, and invite them to see the piece of the elephant that we're touching. It's the same mm-hmm. elephant, um, but but we've only got a piece of it. And so what pieces are we missing? Who's, who's touching a piece we haven't even thought about yet? So and I think when we're bringing people together, you know, to to think about the elephant is um, that 
everybody is equal in holding the information that they're going to mm-hmm. share, that mm-hmm. that nobody's information is more valuable because of degrees or color of their skin or any of that kind of like it, it's almost as if we we and, and we talked a little bit about this in our in our storytelling kind of um, session is around sort of whose story is valued and whose story is valid. Yep. And that's the one, it's almost like that's the cream that rises to the top, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else is subordinate to that. When in fact, it's like every person's experience is valuable and mm-hmm. valid. Right. Right. Well, and I would never, I mean, I don't want to, I want to be careful about the metaphor or the analogy, right? Yeah. I mean, people, people are not, you know, yeast and bacteria, but who would have guessed that it was, you know, tiny little microbial things that could radically transform human health on the planet, right? We just don't mm. know where mm. the magic resides. Mm. And, and so, you know, curiosity and approaching people with a genuine curiosity, with an intellectual humility that like, maybe you, maybe you're the one that has like the piece to this puzzle. Yeah. That's such a different way of approaching people. Yeah. It's so powerful. It is. Yeah. You know, we were, I, I was thinking, you know, we, we, we talk a lot of, again, in, in mental health. Well, you know, we've been talking about it for years and then recently it's come up because somebody else is talking about it that, you know, is perceived as, you know, a leader for the right mm-hmm. reasons, but is, is the idea that, you know, for human beings at the end of the day, for people to be healthy, we think about things like ACEs, which is yep. adverse childhood experience. And we think of uh, social determinants of health, political determinants of health, and so forth. We think of all of these things as what can contribute to a person's ability to live their fullest life in the way that they would like to live it. So kind of about well-being and health and so forth. So I think the term that that sort of is being used more today that we didn't talk about it in this way, but it was the same concept is people, place, and purpose. And that sort of Mm -hmm. is coming out a lot about people, place, and purpose. And when I first heard that, I said, but there's a P missing and the the other P that's missing actually is power. Who has it Mm. and who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when that term now has been regurgitated elsewhere, I noticed that the power has been taken out. It is only people, place, and purpose that no one's talking about power. Why do you think that is? Oh my gosh. So many, well, because people, <laughs> the people who are talking about it don't want to give up the power. Um, <laughs> you hey, know, it's my yeah. guess that it's, that it's one of these things that having the, and I'm going to now use the word just humility to mm-hmm. lean in, lean out, step in, step out, whatever those terms are, but to like have the humility to say, if it is perceived that I have the power or if somehow because how our culture is, these are the people who have power, quote unquote, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. how do I step back and either share that power or give that power? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's happening. And and I've even had to question myself if I'm asked to speak somewhere, be somewhere, be on a panel or be on a board or what have you, there's only one of me. I can't do it all. Right. Right. And that can be perceived as I have a level of power because I'm sitting at a particular table or invited to that table. And I've really been introspective about how do I do that? 
first of all, how do I say no? <laughs> no, I don't have the time. No, I can't do that. And so, so there's a no and. No and. Here's some people that I would like to introduce you to that um, can do this. Or if you are not comfortable with that yet, what if I'm there and I bring two other people to share my one seat who can be mm-hmm. mentored into? Then when I'm not there, you have an automatic. You have two now people to go to, and those two people are responsible for also thinking about when I step away and they're there, then that second person has to bring two more people. So we're starting Mm -hmm. to build something Mm -hmm. versus sort of someone gets to own that thing or be the perceived owner of that thing. Right. So I I think that's the the power thing. I've been really thinking about that. And yeah, just digging deep into being curious about who has power, who doesn't, how is it perceived? How is it defined? How is it understood? And then- um, And how do they share it? Yeah. And how did I stop using the word empowered? You cannot yep. empower me. We all have power. You you right. decide if you're going to recognize the power or not, but you can't give and take power. How, right. how can anybody do that? So another P word comes to mind, actually, as you're saying this, and I'm thinking about Ooh. potential Ooh. because some of what you're doing is bringing people into the room who haven't experienced power, but have the potential to be huge contributors in the conversation. And there are people with a lot of power who are in these conversations who are not actually using anything but their power in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that to me is wasted potential, right? Mm. If you're in those conversations, you're in those rooms, you're at that table, then you owe that opportunity to bring your best thinking, right? to really realize your full potential in the space. And I think sometimes people, and I say this as somebody who was in, you know, had been in positions of power and, you know, I didn't always show up in the ways that I would have wanted to or liked. And sometimes it's because I just didn't know how. And sometimes it was because I was scared and uncomfortable. But to really internalize this sense of showing up with our full potential and that we all have it, some of us have power, some of us don't, but we all have potential. Yeah. And creating yeah. spaces for people to realize that and experience that. And, you know, those are those are magic for starters. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to be in a place and see somebody suddenly understand their own potential. Yes. Yeah. Like that's an amazing thing. And the more opportunities we can create where people can experience that from all the different sides, the better. Mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough for bringing that up and also talking about in a leadership role, how people show up and maybe they're not showing up in certain ways because they they don't know how to, or they might be even struggling with it. And thinking about the pressure sometimes for people in, you know, leadership positions and the expectations of how they should show up, how they should talk, how they should walk, how they should be. Oh, yeah. I'm um, actually quite a shy person. I'm, I can be a bit reserved, uh, I think. And it takes me a second when I walk in a room to figure out like how to engage. It just takes me a second. I, I can do it. Right. <laughs> well, clearly I can do it. It's just, it's just how I do it. It takes, it takes a second. I am the person who will sit in the same seat or sit possibly next to the same person mm-hmm. to minimize any of that anxiety, social anxiety, I guess it would, it is of sorts, um, not diagnosed as such, but maybe that's, you know, but, but the point is, is that 
you know, some people expect that I'm going to be this social butterfly flitting around the room and saying hello to everyone and engaging everyone and hugging everyone. And by the way, do not hug. If I know you, please do ask. You know, if I don't know you, please do ask. I'm not the biggest hugger in the world, but people have this expectation of, but this is what leaders do. You know, right. leaders walk around and they talk to people and they shake hands or they hug or they're very engaging and they make tons of eye contact. Okay, I don't do any of that right off the bat. And right. so when people didn't see it, they thought there was like something literally the matter with me. So I think, you know, when when I hear about potential, I also think about, you know, expectations that are put on people, mm-hmm. especially as, as leaders. And there's no P for this, or maybe there is, and I just don't know the word, but how can also people have a level of grace? Oh, yeah. We're going to have to find a word. We're going to, we'll just have to find a P word <laughs> yeah. for grace because yes, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. And, you know, this is something you and I have in common is that we're kind of introverts working against type a lot of the time, right? Yes. And that takes a lot of energy. (laughs) And, you know, the bigger the stage, the more scrutiny there is and the more likely that somebody is going to observe a shortcoming. And that's a, you know, sometimes we don't have a lot of compassion for for what that level of exposure is like like my idea yeah. of hell would be recognizable celebrity i mean i just <laughs> it's just i just would be like please don't ever let this happen to me mm. so i think this yeah. idea of grace of potential without sort of presumption or i mean you know it's yeah we we set all these expectations of one another and then we set people up to disappoint us <laughs> yeah and i yeah. And I think if we if we can reframe it, and I am not suggesting that I am always successful at this by any stretch of the imagination, but if we can reframe it to you are going to surprise me in wonderful ways. You are going to teach me something I don't know. You are going to support me in a way I didn't even know I needed support. Mm. So that things that we experience as you know, shortcomings or failures instead get turned to this, like we're all in this together. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's about the, it's about finding the the magic in the relationship kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm going to like, this is what I'm going to be thinking about tonight. And it's like, what's the P word? What's the grief? P word? Well, and I think there's still, <laughs> there's also a level of curiosity here that when you see somebody yeah. and you, the expectation didn't match what you saw five minutes ago on stage, I think I would be like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, and maybe I might, you know, me, myself, and I, me, myself, and I, the three of us would have a conversation, a <laughs> sort of internal conversation about how might I sit next to that person and introduce myself? Uh-huh. Um, how might I determine whether or not this person isn't more introverted in the sense of introverts are are very much people persons, people, people, (laughs) Uh, people, people, Um, they're people, people, and we have to recover from all that peopleness, right? Right. We we, we need space to recover from all the peopleness. Like I love people and then people boggle my mind and then I need space from people. (laughs) So that's all happening at once. And it can (laughs) all happen in the space of like five minutes where, you know, one minute I'm very, you know, affable and just kind of like, you know, got it all going on. And then the next minute I'm kind of standing in a corner. And I think that is sort of confusing to people. And that's where it's like, okay, grace and curiosity wins on that one. 
like those are all like I ask all these questions of myself in my head and I'm wondering you know you know we're so quick to put people in a box too I think that um right. how could we be more curious about how to think about people versus like you know doing that sort of presuming about who well, they are we project what they are. right another yeah. p a bad p word right like yeah, we project all sorts of things on people yeah. and projection is pretty incurious actually yeah 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 you know and so maybe maybe just if i'm like making assumptions or i'm projecting here it's like let me step back from that a minute and yeah think about you know what else could be going on here or yeah. i love your idea about just sort of thinking about like how how can i approach this person in a way that works for them as opposed yeah. to just a way that works for me right yeah. and yeah Karen Ward, who's this wonderful, wonderful person who works kind of in the curiosity space in Canada, likes the question, what are all the ways I could? Or what mm. are all the ways we could dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And what's nice about that is it's like, what are all the ways? So it's like a brainstorming. It's like, there's not just one answer, right? There may be lots of mm -hmm. different ways that we could think about this. Could, it's not a commitment, right? I'm not Mm -hmm. signing up for anything in particular. I'm just sort of recognizing potential opportunities here. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. if it's a we statement, and then it's not just on one of us, yes. it's on us in relationship, right? Yes. And, yes. and to me, curiosity is about finding relationships, about recognizing that there is a relationship. We, don't, we may not know what it is yet, mm -hmm. but we can find it. And we mm -hmm. can find it through curiosity and we can move, we can deepen it. We can move beyond that. Yeah. I love the we. The we also for me says that I'm not perfect either and I'm in it with you. Yeah. But when I talk about sort of the intractable or we'll call them intractable problems right now, they, they appear or feel intractable. They're right. probably not. The, stuck, the big stuck places. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're stuck. We're stuck. Um, I talk about how can we, what is our, and that includes mm -hmm. myself and everybody else versus saying CMS, you go over there and you fig figure it out. No, I think we are working together to look at what can we be doing better? How can we improve? What could we mm -hmm. be doing actually different? That, that this mm -hmm. might, you know, really take something that's drastically different. A lot of our systems are built on, this is where I get really curious. And then I turn into a weird archaeologist kind of mm -hmm. <laughs> ethnographist person, um, you know, using kind of those terms, but many of our systems are sitting on policies that develop those systems back in the 1960s, 50s, 40s. Or, or the 1850s or 60s. Yes. I mean, yes. you know, so much yes. of this stuff is, my husband calls them endowed ruts. You know, we don't even recognize the places that we're in a complete rut and the rut is so deep we can't see that there's anything mm. on the other side of those walls mm. which is why mm -hmm. it has to be a we it has to no yes. none among us are so omniscient or omnipotent that we can solve this right that individually it's it's yeah it has to be a we we created yes. it i mean yes. it was collectively creative yes. over yes. created over time it's only exactly. going to be solved collectively and over time yeah yeah, I love that. We could go on and on, which we have done. <laughs> yes, we I mean, do. this is like this is like one of this was the point of actually, you know, starting um unapologetically black unicorns was you know, I have these incredible conversations with 
you know, people I know, people sometimes I've never met, but I I get curious <laughs> about what mm-hmm. they're they're doing. I might might read something and reach out to them, and I have these wonderful conversations that I wonder, well, wait a minute, I would love it if other people could hear the conversations that right. I'm having, and you know, the the nuggets that I get to you know share with other people from a conversation. But now people can with permission, of course, because it's a podcast, eavesdrop on kind of how I have conversations with people. It's um, very generous of you, Karis, because they are are wonderful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. And we've we've been doing this this kind of stuff for years. I'll just call and I'll say, you know, what do you think about? It's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Three hours (laughs) later. Um, (laughs) So, you know, this is, um, you know, what I'm hoping for our listeners too, is that, you know, as they're hearing some of these nuggets, I, you know, I call them, you know, wisdom dropping nuggets that we can think about, you know, where might we apply it in our own life? Could be your life, your work, your family, could be anything um, just to test the waters a little bit. Mm-hmm. And also listen mm-hmm. to your podcast because you've, you know, named some great um, resources and people who are doing wonderful things around the science of curiosity, which is very curious to me too, but we're not going to talk about that well, right now. They can I listen know. to your podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I know. Come find me. Choose to be curious.com. I mean, I have the same feeling about the people, and you have been a guest on my show as well, you know, and we talked about mm-hmm. curiosity and skepticism. And, you know, there's sort of mm-hmm. kind of these two sides of a coin, maybe. And and yeah. what's interesting about these conversations is that, I mean, there's research, there's theory, but there's also the lived experience wisdom mm-hmm. of how to use curiosity in really exciting and effective ways, you know, in our lives. And I just feel incredibly fortunate that people share their time and their wisdom in this yeah. in this way. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get it. I usually ask people to do wisdom dropping at the as we sort of um start to to wrap up. Yet I think I'm gonna do something a little bit different because I love how you actually have people reach into a bowl. And uh-huh. so why don't you, why don't you, can we do oh, that? Can we pretend like we're, you're on my show? Yes. Yes. Okay, we, okay, <laughs> we're, just okay. gonna sh- we're just going to like shift this up just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. tell, well, this is, yeah. this is kind of like, this is totally wisdom sharing, right? But it's so yes. unscripted. So I have what I call my big jar of wannabe analogies. It is literally a big glass jar and inside uh-huh. are these scraps of paper and I'm uh-huh. going to, Take one out for you and one for me. And if this were okay. my show, I would take one out for the audience. Can I do that too? I'm going to do that too. Yes, yes, okay. please do. Okay. And then we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips of paper. So yours is soup. How is curiosity like soup? <laughs> <laughs> Mine is car seat. How is curiosity like a car seat? Um I guess I'll say that curiosity is like a car seat because, uh, you know, to go anywhere, you have to, you got to get into the car seat, right? And drive. Mm. And um, I think curiosity is something you get into and you drive mm-hmm. places with it. It takes you places. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. That's how curiosity is like a car seat. So how is curiosity like soup? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. So um, there are no wrong answers. It. Let me just say that. Yes. No yes I love answers, it. Right? So actually, when I think of soup, I think of um, how my mom cooked soup from scratch. She liked to fix lentil soup. And so if I think about how curiosity is like soup and how she used to make soup, I think that it is 
First, it's yummy in your tummy. <laughs> Curiosity can be yummy. Yep. It's it's also, I think, something that you know. If we say soup, we, we know we know what it, we know what it is. It's not like this thing that we have to kind of like. Well, what is that? Can you describe that to me? Like, what what is soup? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think nice. um, we we all know what soup is. When I think about my mom making soup in in particular, she made a lot of different types of beans soups. It's something that took a couple of steps, right? But uh-huh. it also, the beans had to marinate. You know, they they had to kind of like, she had to sit them in water and they had to, mm-hmm. I don't know why she soaked them in water, really. I don't know. I should have been more curious and asked her. I'm, I'm sure there's a reason. But um, so I think curiosity can be like taste that. good otherwise. <laughs> Oh, would they be too hard or something? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. So I think there's something about curiosity where, you know, you could marinate on stuff. Yeah. You know, you have time yeah. to marinate. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the reason I do this little game is one, people are so much more creative in the moment than they give themselves credit. Right. I mean, there are no, there are literally no wrong answers to this. If you say mm-hmm. that that's an analogy to curiosity, it magically is. And I wanted some, you know, levity at the end of what might be dense conversations. But the also, mm-hmm. but but the other point is that it's sort of an illustration to kind of go back to where we were early in the conversation that we can make a relationship, we can build a connection between two completely random things, if only we try, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I love what people come up with, and I love like your beautiful story about your mom and soup. I mean, yeah. that's just fabulous. And yeah. because I don't know what's actually in this jar, like I, I take it around with me and I ask people to put words in. So when I when I pull things out of here, I, I literally have no idea what's coming. The mm. one that I pulled for the audience is grizzly bear. <laughs> 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 and and what's mm. nice about it is that, you know, often it feels like the right answer is some nice, fluffy rainbows and and unapologetically black unicorns or otherwise kind of answer about what is curiosity like but sometimes curiosity is like a grizzly bear right like it'll tear your head Mm -hmm. off but that's (laughs) not the analogy audience i mean you do you you do you Uh but i love that it creates this space for people to put all the different lights on the statue right yeah and see it from perspectives that we might not otherwise love it that was your wisdom dropping love it love it so then I cannot thank you enough for joining me on Unapologetically Black Unicorns. And to our audience, I know I'm supposed to say this, so I'm going to do this every time. Like, subscribe, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, The most important thing, you know, we were talking about analytics. I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here for half a second. You know, somebody asked me, you know, how many subscribers do you have? How many listens do you have? And, And I do know the answer to that, yet the metric that's most important to me or the analytic that's most important to me is to know that people are sharing the information um, with other people who would like to hear it and or who need it. Um, And I do get emails and stories back about how people have used the podcast or shared the podcast. And that might be anecdotal. Uh, Fine. To me, it, that's the impact is just share. And 
what would be really cool is if you could answer the question. And I would love to know <laughs> what, how, you know, what people think about, you know, why is curiosity like a grizzly bear? I'd, I'd love to know people's answers to that. Me too. Um, so thank you so much again, Lynn. Thanks to the audience. And we look forward to people joining Unapologetically Black Unicorns next week.